Hello and welcome to Every Horror Movie on Netflix, the show where we watch, review, and discuss every horror movie on Netflix. I'm Chris. I'm here with Patrick. Chris, is that you? Do you copy? Come in, Chris. Oh, God. We, we, we lost comms. We, we got, got some comms, comms issues on Patrick. Hold on. Chris? Let's, let's reset. Steven? Are you there? Patrick, come in. Can you hear us? I can hear you, Houston. I can hear you. Okay. All right. Great. Good. All right, a little bit of a scare there, uh, and and we also have Steven with us today as as usual. Hola. All right, Steven's right here at at, at Mission Command, and uh, this week the we comms watched... fully functioning on Steven's end. Comms fully functioning all around. I think I think we're good. Life support systems are stable. Computers on. Recorders running. <laughs> I think we're I think we're all set to do this for this week's episode. We watched uh, Apollo eighteen, which by the time this episode comes out will no longer be on netflix <laughs> um <laughs> so we'll tell you later if that's something to worry about uh but first we decided you know we're watching apollo 18 well why not watch its prequel apollo 13 <laughs> it's prequel so uh at least patrick and i have have uh, re-watched the 90s ron howard classic apollo 13 with tom hanks kevin bacon bill paxton and so we're going to talk about that for a bit uh but first you know we like to do a little horror roundup catch up figure out what else we've been uh watching or reading since uh we last met so what's going on guys you, you, you've been spooking yourselves or what i've got three things Three um, things. They're all super brief, though. Um, the, okay. the, the first two are pretty highbrow. We, um, we have limited oxygen, so. <laughs> <laughs> the first two are pretty highbrow, or they're going to sound highbrow, but I'm not I'm not bragging or anything. These were just really cool, fun things to do. Um, so UCLA has been hosting a series of free horror movie screenings um, every couple of weeks, hosted by Shockwave hosts Rebecca McKendry, Dr. Rebecca McKendry, and Elric Kane, and they did Alex de Iglesias' 1990-something movie, The Day of the Beast, uh, which is, uh, I don't really want to spoil anything, so I'll describe it as briefly as possible. It's a, it's a, it's about a priest who just goes rogue, and he thinks the world is going to end, and the devil is going to appear, and uh, he, he wants to find a way to stop it, and for some reason he decides that the way to do this is to commit as many sins as possible in an evening. Uh, it's hmm pretty wild horror comedy the discussion from rebecca and elric was really enlightening um i also in is similar to that vein i found out at the last minute that fangoria was hosting kind of a live chat about the documentary horror noir a history of black horror tanneva do and some other amazing people were on that sort of talking about that amazing documentary wasn't particularly enlightening to me but it's fun to watch like awesome black women talk about the history of black representation and horror for an hour it's pretty cool uh and then the last spooky thing i did is i i finally watched jocko anwar's the queen of black magic on shutter and all i will say about this movie is if you are creeped up by centipedes don't fuck with it 
I'm not right. really. It's kind of far down my list. You might be after this movie. There are a lot of them, and they're pretty big, and they're coming out of skulls and people's mouths and shit. Uh, but this is a remake of, I think, an 80s or early 90s Indonesian film. He also remade the, the Indonesian film Satan's Slave a few years ago. And Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I was wondering how I, how I knew that name. Yeah, I, I've brought him up on the show before, and he's just somebody to watch. Uh, if you look it up on Shudder, uh, the original and the remake have very similar titles. I think one has the in the title and the other doesn't. Whichever one you watch, you're going to have a blast. Um, I highly recommend them both. Would you say the centipedes crawling out of people's mouths were better or worse than the centipedes crawling out of people's mouths in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch? Um, better, better. Some okay. of them look a little cheesy, but just the, the, the visual, even with bad CGI, uh, just... Did, does something to me that I can't describe. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Well, I kind of took Steven's script uh, for this week. I watched uh, two cult movies from the 70s. Oh. To, and I'm here to report. Uh, the first one I watched was Tourist Trap. Yes. Oh. Which, I've been wanting to watch that. Yeah, Tourist Trap from 1979. And the, the main takeaway from this movie for me was that 1979 looks like maybe the best year to ever be alive. <laughs> Um, and, and I wish I had been there. Uh, like my parents, my parents were like, I, I did the math. I forget, but my parents were like 20 and 26 and, and 1979. Oh God, to be 26 in 1979. Um, but anyway, you know, as far as like slashers of that era go, it was fine. I don't really like slashers of that era. They move like molasses. They're kind of dumb. But it was interesting enough for what you kind of get from those types of movies. That's the one with the. Aren't there like a bunch of um, like animated mannequins in that yep. or something? Yeah. Okay. They're, they're turning people into mannequins. The other thing I watched, speaking of, of Rogue Priest, I watched Ken Russell's The Devils on Shudder. <gasps> I'm so jealous. This yeah. has been on my list for a very long time. So the reason I watched this, this is a 1971 movie, and uh, Shudder has, you know, really been hyping us to, like, this is one of the most controversial horror films ever made. It rarely ever streams. Don't miss your chance to catch this essential viewing experience. And um, it was interesting. I don't even know if it was a horror movie, though. I don't want to debate genre too much, but uh, I was I was watching the whole movie expecting there to be a real horror turn, but it's kind of just a historical drama slash satire with a lot of you know kind of disturbing and depraved content but nothing that i mean shocking for 1971 not that shocking for today although some of the more lurid scenes have been edited out and and aren't in the the version that's on shutter but it was it was interesting it was fun we, we've got a priest who's just like a philanderer and an egomaniac it's a uh, oliver reed right oliver reed the plays madman a ma- himself they should have named the movie maniac priest because because that's <laughs> that's what's going on here we got a complete maniac priest but he ends up by the end of the movie being kind of like the most honest and pious person uh in the film it's a true story the beginning there's a title card that says this is a true story but who believes that when you're watching like an exploitation movie and as a, as a real story it was uh, kind of horrific and interesting and uh i guess ken russell was a devout catholic did not know that and so this movie is very kind of anti-catholic but i think it's coming from a pro-catholic place where it's kind of just you know critiquing your 
your friends a little bit. I don't know. A lot to chew on. I wouldn't say it blew my mind. I wouldn't say you have to watch it, but it was certainly an interesting movie. A little disappointed that it wasn't more of a horror movie. I thought there was going to be a literal devil at some point. Disappointing. Yeah. Patrick, what have you been up to? Well, I have uh, two spook things to report upon. Um, I watched Coherence on Shudder mm-hmm. uh, a little while ago and highly recommend that. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, it's a completely improvised sort of sci-fi horror thriller. Basically just eight people all in the same house uh, for the most part. And it is surprisingly scary surprisingly emotionally resonant i was just really shocked at how much i was drawn in by this and how well it worked given you know the <laughs> what chris would describe and probably wouldn't be wrong in describing as mumblecore aesthetic yes uh, but worked worked really really well check that out that's if you a can. that's a great movie and it's a i love dinner party movies and a lot of critics complain that like oh god like you would never want to be stuck for 90 minutes in a room with these people but i actually i found all of the the social interaction like the way that they that that we learn about the relationships to be really just well done and engrossing oh it was i mean i don't know that i would want to be in a room with those specific people but Mm -hmm. that's only a testament to the work that the director and actors do in creating some uh yeah kind of unlikable i mean they're not all unlikable but there's definitely some people where it's just like oh boy i would not want to be sitting next to this guy you know Mm -hmm. also checked out the new graphic novel from s craig zoller director of bone tomahawk and brawl in cell block 99 um had no idea that he was a graphic novelist let alone that he'd written like a zillion books and is in a band this guy just does all kinds of crazy shit and has now written a horror graphic novel called forbidden surgeries of the hideous dr divinus or divinus i don't know it's uh, it's a very complicated plot but there's uh, a lot of horrific body snatching and body mutilation going on uh there's some some zoller banter if you're familiar with his films there's kind of typical snappy patter he drew it all himself he is by his own admission not a tremendous artist i can't say i recommend and the graphic novel it's okay it has its highs and lows but what i do want to recommend is checking out the interview that one of my favorite cartoonists benjamin mara recently did with him on the comics journal um he has a really fascinating chat with zoller in which zoller admits as i just said that he's you know he knows his own limitations as an artist but has always wanted to do a graphic novel and just realized at some point that he was going to have to do it himself because he was never going to be satisfied with someone else drawing his story and I found it weirdly inspiring as someone who loves comics and has written some comics and has been wanting to make a comic or a graphic novel for ages, but has never done it. And Zoller's just like, just do it. Like, just work with whatever you've got. Hmm. And, yeah, I like uh, what, what would Todd do? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like hell, I won't. So, uh, yeah, like I said, check out the interview uh, if you're really into Zoller, I guess, and don't know about his graphic novel already, I guess go check that out. But if you're any kind of a creative person, read this thing with him. He's very frank about the, the limitations of his own abilities. He's even very kind of self-deprecating about his ability in film and music as well. And it was all really interesting just to read this, yeah, again, very frank self-assessment from a creative person who nonetheless has been extremely creatively prolific. All right. Well, with that said, I think it's time for us to head into orbit. Uh, as I said, we're, we watched Apollo 18 this week. But first, 
We're going to talk about Apollo 13. <laughs> 1995 classic. I'll be back in about 90 minutes. <laughs> now, 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 Stephen, have you seen Apollo 13? I mean, yes, I no. have. No, I have. I, like, I remember seeing it with my parents when it came out on VHS in, like, what? What year was this? 95. Yeah, so I remember nothing. Tom Hanks is in it, right? Yeah, all right, so I, I <laughs> that's all I, I saw, remember about Tom this movie. Cruise, Steven, it's Tom Cruise. If Tom, the if other it had been Tom. Tom Cruise, nothing would have gone wrong. They would have landed <laughs> that thing on manual. Um, uh, I saw if it was mo- if it was Tom Cruise, t- uh, Chris would definitely throw out the whole plan of discussing Apollo eighteen at all, and this would be exclusively <laughs> an Apollo thirteen episode. Um, I saw Apollo thirteen in the theater as a baby. Wow. When you were Babby. And then I owned it on VHS, so it was one of my movies. You know, I had I, I didn't have a lot of VHS tapes, but I had Apollo 13. And it didn't get as much play as, you know, Independence Day or Star Wars. But Was it on just one tape or was it two tapes? Oh, one, just one tape, yeah. Because it's a long movie. Is it? Two hours and 20 minutes. Really? Oh, yeah. It flew, flew by for me. I watched it on Peacock. <laughs> ah. yeah are you so, a peacock subscriber uh yeah it's free so i just made an account and they showed me apollo 13 and they cut in with commercials like every 15 oh. minutes oh something. okay gotcha <laughs> guess i shouldn't have paid four bucks for it yeah yeah um but yeah apollo 13 the the true story much like the devils it's a true story of the <laughs> uh uh 19 19- 70 was it oh i don't i don't remember yeah, yeah was, i think that's uh, yeah, right it was the uh, uh yeah. the doomed 1970 space mission it was going to be the third mission to walk on the moon uh but about two days into the mission as they got close to the moon an oxygen tank blew up completely devastated their ship and they had to make it home based on with their wits and technical knowledge and people playing jazz uh back home at at mission control um and i mean this is this is just a great 90s movie what more can you ask for we got ed harris oh ed harris just being more ed harris than ed harris has ever been Gary Sinise, really the true hero of the film, Gary holding Sinise, things yeah. down at Mission Control as the astronaut who didn't get to go, but ends up saving their asses from back home, which is not strictly true as far as the real life story really? goes, but it's, it's a great character in the movie. Well, that guy did help out, but the character in the movie is a composite of several oh. people who ended up contributing expertise from the ground. That's fine. I, I'm a, a composite characters are the most acceptable form of historical embellishment to me. <laughs> as long as the things that you see happen actually happens uh, yeah i mean uh, we we obviously don't need to spend too much time on it but like yeah, we yeah it's, it's a well i mean it's a movie that everyone has talked about and is generally well regarded as a phenomenal film and and a great reenactment of these events i was fascinated to learn how they did these anti-gravity scenes have you read about that shit chris oh, yeah yeah christopher nolan eat your heart out fucking james cameron eat your heart out like they got Ooh, on I, the, I will concede that i will actually concede that they got on this like huge jet plane that they used to train actual astronauts on that just does these crazy dives to, and and they would shoot the anti-gravity scenes and i think it was 26 second takes oh i they thought did, it was longer than that but that sounds that sounds like it could be right but yeah short short takes might have been 27 chris yeah. might have been 27 okay. seconds 
Um, but they did 600 and some of these just dives out of the sky to do all the anti-gravity scenes. That was fascinating to I me. I mean, yeah, you watch about. this movie and it's Kevin Bacon and Tom Hanks and Bill Paxton and they're in zero gravity. There's no CG. There's no bullshit. They're there. They got their bag of yeah. chips. The, it, it's all real. It's yeah. It's worth watching for that alone. Um, and what really made an impression on me watching this movie for the first time as an adult is how, and, and this is in contrast, I think, to Apollo 18, which we'll be talking about, they really did not water down the technical detail at all. Like, oh, no. Like, and, and, and it was really interesting because it's like the way it's written and the way it's, it's directed, you don't have to know what they're talking about to understand the stakes of everything and what they're talking about. You they, know what? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of fucking Whiplash, which I also watched recently, where you don't necessarily have to understand how music works to feel like you know how music works in this movie and to feel like you know when people are getting things wrong and when they're getting things right. Right. And they're they're all they're using technical jargon. Uh, I mean, there's a couple explanatory lines where, at like Mission Control where someone's like, wait a minute, you're saying this? And they're like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. But but for the most part, they just kind of stick to the jargon. Vincent D'Onofrio doesn't show up and tell you how to feel or what's going on. <laughs> Listen, you know what? <laughs> We're going to have to take you to fucking Vincent D'Onofrio class. We have listeners now who are saying you need to put some respect on Vincent D'Onofrio's name. You know, so is you, that you true? Need get it, have, you need to get it together. Have yeah. people reached out to us about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, our dear dear friend and friend of the pod, uh, Ilyssa. I, I forget what she said exactly, but she said Chris needs to get it together as far as Vincent D'Onofrio goes. No, I'm doubling down. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I love that. I loved how, you know, it was very suspenseful and it didn't seem to water down any of the technical details, but it was still accessible somehow, just in how the gravity of all the situations was communicated. Yeah, and I mean, it was interesting to me because I... Well, I mean, as I, as you know, I think we had this conversation at the end of last episode. I didn't even know what the fuck happened to Apollo 13. I couldn't have told you if the astronauts lived or died. If you had told me that mission number, I would have been like, oh, yeah, that's like Neil Armstrong, right? And then I would have gone, well, no, no, that's Apollo 11, which actually separately is another great fucking prequel to this movie. I don't know if either of you have seen that, but the, the documentary Apollo 11 is incredible. But anyways, I, I didn't know the story of this. And so like the twists and how it all played out, I mean, I guess they're not twists strictly but the many ways in which the mission goes wrong and the many ways in which they solve problems were you know duly thrilling to me because i had no idea where it was going and it did serve and i guess this is this is going to be a segue i don't know how long we want to fucking pontificate about apollo 13 but it do, I, I felt like i was already in the world when i got to apollo 18 you know when you're throwing around words like lem and shit like uh lunar actually i forget what it stands for but it's lunar the, excursion uh, module i think yeah there you go it's the thing that you actually it's the lunar lander the thing that you land on the moon so i already knew some of the jargon i just like felt like i was already in the world I felt like I was an astronaut. I felt like I was back at home when I uh, turned on Apollo 18. It was oh, a perfect, yeah. perfect precursor to this experience. But you know what? All the shit that went wrong on Apollo 13, I am kind of a conspiracy theorist. I, I kind of think those guys didn't make it home. There's no fucking way they made it home with all that shit going wrong. Are you kidding me? 
One of them ran for fucking Congress. They replaced him with Doppel, and then what happened when he got elected? <laughs> oh, you think? Oh, you think it was like the alien bounty hunter? Or I something? think they swapped them out or something. They, I mean, if they died, they couldn't tell us they were in a, a space race. Wait, what? They do you, can't, what they do you can't lose three astronauts in space and tell us about it? What? <laughs> what did you mean? What happened when he got elected? What happened to him? Oh, he died before he, he took office. Oh, yeah, from, of yeah one of the astronauts. Yeah, I mean, um, Chris, a fucking Challenger blew up, and all those people died. We heard, yeah, about it. but that I don't know. I, I think that's that, different. That's because we we saw the footage, man. They can't hide that. <laughs> yeah, they can't hide that. This though, like, well, why would they? Why and also would they... the challenge. I mean, you're thinking about Apollo One. Apollo One, everyone blew up too, and and that was the one that was. But, like, there's no way. There's no way all the shit, the, the power goes out. They have no air. They can't steer the fucking thing. They don't have enough power to turn on critical systems. And then it's like they have to re enter and they, they're going down the checklist of the 20 different things that could go wrong and they all die. I don't think they made it home. I think it's a conspiracy. I don't believe it. Well, on that note, Chris, what did you think of the documentary we watched this week, Apollo 18? <laughs> Before you even get to that, I just want to say, you know, I obviously did not watch Apollo 13 for this episode. I'm delighted to listen to you guys talk about it, but I thought that homework was a complete joke. Oh, no. (laughs) What? Would I ever joke about watching a 90s thriller? Oh, I almost blew off watching it just because I didn't have enough time. And then I was like, God damn it, I'm committing. I mean, Apollo 13 is a movie I've wanted to watch for a long time. Obviously, I've just heard great things about it. And you talk about it all the time, Chris. So I figured, yeah, you know, I, what better what better time? The reason I talk about it, because you mentioned that last time, too. The reason I always reference Apollo 13 is because um, whenever I'm doing something technical, because I work in, in, in video production, and obviously we have a podcast, and so... Uh, I inevitably like, you know, forget a piece of gear or something. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, Oh God, I have to do, I have to make this work. It's the scene in Apollo 13 where (laughs) they pour the shit out on the table. And they're like, we need to make an air filter using nothing but this shit. That's what I do. They need to make this fit into this. (laughs) And this is what they have. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking through my bag. I'm like, all right, well maybe if I convert this to this and run it through the computer and then put it out, well, it'll, it'll serve the purpose of the piece that broke or the piece I forgot to bring. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I'm just joking about being a conspiracy. It probably wasn't, but damn, they sure beat the odds. Um, uh, Jim Lovell, I actually saw is still alive. He's Mm -hmm. 92 years old. So, uh, much like Apollo 18, he may be also expired by the time this episode comes out, but (laughs) he actually makes a cameo in Apollo 18 as one of the little rock creatures. The moon, the moon crabs. Well, he, he makes an appearance, a cameo on Apollo thirteen. Did you know that? He does. He yeah, does. yeah, I did. Because um, I, uh, I was watching this movie, I'm like, damn, that ship captain looks old. <laughs> and then, like, <laughs> turns out it was the actual uh, Captain Jim Lovell. So, the so real dude. I got a space fact for you. you Want to hear a space fact? Oh, oh always. Boy. Do you know why they launch a uh, spacecraft from Cape Canaveral and or Houston? Oh, I'm gonna, I'm like gonna guess it has this. something to do with weather. No. No, okay. People think it has to do with weather. People think it has to do with the abundance of ocean uh, where they can drop shit into on on takeoff. Uh, It's really because the closer to the equator you launch your shit, the more centrifugal force it has to go to escape the atmosphere or to escape the orbit of Earth. Boy, these... um these rocket scientists are pretty damn smart. They're pretty smart. (laughs) So basically they're just launching them as south as they can uh, in the United States. 
Yeah. So that's Apollo 13. Would, would you view it, cue it, or screw it, Patrick? I'll view it, of course. Yeah, I'd view it too. Steven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might view it after this conversation. I, I, like I said, I, I remember just like three seconds of it probably from my childhood, and that's it. Fantastic. All right, well, what the hell did we watch this week? We watched Apollo 18. Um, Let, and let's see if we can escape the gravity of Apollo 13 to uh, get Apollo 18 into orbit here. Yeah, so Apollo 18, it's a found footage movie, which I wasn't expecting. And it, it supposes that it is found, uh, it's, it's like, you know, leaked footage that was recovered from the 18th Apollo mission, which officially never took place. They ended it after... Yeah. Uh, 17. In fact, I think Gary Sinise was supposed to be on Apollo 18 before they canceled yeah. it. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the real Gary Sinise. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's one of those actors where, like, he did, you know, he played, like, Lieutenant Dan and stuff. And yeah. And he, like, he, gra- he, he, vo- he did the voiceover for, like, the, like, a World War II documentary series or something. And then he slowly kind of transformed himself to, like, the voice of America's armed forces. Like, he does the army commercials and stuff now. And, and it, he's kind of like Dennis Leary, where he played the firefighter on tv and then he kind of became the like working man surrogate well yeah he's sort of one of those actors who god damn it why am i still talking about apollo 13 <laughs> no we're just talking about gary sinise now well <laughs> he's sort of one of those actors where he has true natural charisma he is charismatic but it just feels extremely natural in a way where it's like wait how did this guy become an actor it's kind of like and this is a very strange comparison i guess but to me it's similar to jason statham where i'm like why is this guy not just like the obnoxious guy at a bar? Like, how did he ever become a movie star? I mean, and, and I like Jason Statham. He's very good at what he does. But to me, he still just he seems like almost too regular guy ish where it doesn't even it doesn't quite gel. It does and doesn't quite gel, I guess, in my head that this is an actor. I well, don't I mean, that's the that was what was so great about the 90s and I talk about it all the time. Just we we had great character actors and I really don't feel like they're pumping out character actors these days like they used to. <laughs> oh man, you're going you're going like full boomer about the 90s now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was better in my day. Well, I think Gary Sinise is overdue for a comeback. Um the synchronicities are piling up and we might be on the edge of of helping that happen. He was he was also a big focus of the most recent episode of the King cast, they were talking about the green mile, which also like yeah. Google the cast of the green mile. If you don't remember, like talk about every great character actor of the nineties, it's like mind blowing, but they were also speculating on like, what the fuck happened to this guy? Like he was a big, he was a household name. And now I don't know if he does like network TV or what. was he a household name? I don't know. I Gary Sinise. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I feel like everyone knows yeah. Lieutenant Dan at least. Yeah. So, so he's a household uh, name. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Man, guys, it really it really seems like we don't want to talk about Apollo 18. Can you imagine <laughs> no, that? No, I actually, I actually do. Okay, so right, here's... Set it up for us, Patrick, because I'm at a loss. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fairly simple movie. Like, I mean, like you said, it's found footage, but it's sort of unique, at least to me, in the sense that it is, uh, you know, it, it is set in 1974, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And is, you know, all the footage is shot to look like it's from 1974. There's some motion sensing cameras that I don't know that they necessarily would have had in 1974, but whatever, I'm willing to overlook that. I don't know. We go into space. We get up to the moon. There's a Russian lander, a Russian lem. 
on the moon and weird rocks that keep moving around and weird alien chittering sounds that the astronauts keep hearing. Yeah, they're not alone on the moon. And, and kind of the, the question for the movie, because it's a, it's a three-man crew, just like the Apollo missions, and, and you got the one guy who stays in the uh, command module floating around the moon and then the two guys who go down the limb and they, they start traipsing and uh, <laughs> they know they're not alone. And the, the, but the question is, what's down here? Is it Russians? Is it aliens? Um, and really, I had very low expectations for this movie. I wanted one shot that was as horrifying as the alien walking out at the birthday party and signs. Yes, <laughs> and Joaquin Phoenix fucking flailing in his chair <laughs> still still one of the scariest things i've ever seen it gets me every time i like just watched that and i don't remember that you know what's so scary about that it's a very brief shot and then joaquin phoenix who always bats a thousand no matter what project he's in just sells it he freaks the fuck out and you freak the fuck out with him <laughs> Yeah. Oh my so, god, I'm getting so, chills thinking about it. Yeah, this yeah. movie comes nowhere close to that. We get a couple yeah. of jump scares and that's about it. Oh my did, god. <laughs> did did oh so, okay, so yeah, I'm taking it you did not get what you wanted there. Chris. I, I didn't get what I wanted. I didn't get the okay. shot I wanted. And and here's the thing about found footage and and I don't say I don't dislike found footage as a genre necessarily, but I do find it very distracting because my neurotic brain is always saying how did this get picked up? Who yep. found this? If you're going to present it as found footage, I need to be able to lose myself in that fantasy and not just notice the seams all the time and be like, all right, this clearly isn't found footage from 1974. This is like, you know, they shot this on a red camera and put a After Effects filter on it to make it look like 16 millimeter. I, I the, uh, Chris, I'm millimeter. with you 100%. That is my biggest problem with found footage is it needs to feel authentically found. It needs to feel rough. Um, and often, often it's like all the pieces are there too conveniently to tell a story and it doesn't, it's like impossible. But as far as after effects goes, I was in an editing class the year this came out and I think I have used every single cheap after effects filter that is, that is in this. So that was distracting for me as well. Like, oh, I know that that's just like an automated thing that you can throw on to make something look old or look like it's a VHS tape or make it look like it was shot on film. Mm -hmm. But in this case, it does make sense. Like there is an in narrative reason for this to have happened. I mean, especially this is another thing where it made sense in the context of Apollo 13 because there's this whole extended scene in Apollo 13 where they do a live broadcast from the ship where they're doing like a tour of the ship. So it totally made sense to me that, you know, four years later, whatever, they would have cameras. They'd be documenting this shit, of course. Sure, sure. And, that- and the cameras are always placed. Like there's a camera up in the corner of the shuttle or whatever. One of them's holding it as they go down into the lunar crater. The main one that, as I said already, kind of <clears throat> stretched the, the boundaries of reality, I guess, to me, where these motion sensing cameras mm-hmm. that they set up up on the moon but whatever you know you got to have something in there to justify the the footage i guess yeah um i mean it, it was a noble effort i guess and it's not necessarily the movie's problem as much as my problem for getting hung up on that stuff um Hey, speaking of Apollo 13, you know that they did that TV broadcast and the oxygen tank blew up nine minutes later? It's crazy. I did not know that. What if they had been like, hey, guys, we're just going to show you how we stir the oxygen tanks here in space? (laughs) 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 But no one was watching it anyway, I guess, right? 
Right, which was another thing that blows my mind. I mean, this is a this issue ties into either Apollo 13 or 18. You learn about this in Apollo 13, and it was true in real life, too. I mean, apparently the American public just stopped giving a shit about the space program like the minute after Neil Armstrong got home. Like by the time of Apollo 13, no one cared. They didn't, you know, there was like, the they did this whole live special and no one ran the footage and then they end up scrapping the whole program by the time of uh you know that apollo 18 was supposed to go up i just that all kind of surprised me in general i thought the space program went on longer than that to be quite honest and that public interest in it would have uh persevered longer well, than it did the, the space program did that the, the the lunar mission program or yeah, yeah. i'm sorry yeah no we can we continue to get great new developments in mattress design for decades to come i mean it, it served its purpose that we just weren't going to the moon we just landed some robots on mars and shit and it's like i saw it on twitter i didn't see it on tv but you know i saw the like they sent back video they sent back sound this thing's like got a microphone oh, wow. recording the sound of Mars. I listened to that and I was like, this isn't something I should be hearing. <laughs> I don't, like, I'm not meant to hear this. I don't want to hear this. Uh, thanks, Space Force. Yeah. Well, so this footage is apparently found, you know, decades later and uploaded to LunarTruth.com. And I will say it was it, to my relief that I did not get a virus when I went to LunarTruth.com like I did on the Unfriended episode. Does it work? No, oh, it's a dead yeah. link. Oh, I was oh, gonna—I okay. will register that shit right now and redirect it to our website. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I wonder what was there when the movie came out. Though I mean, it was probably just the promo website for the movie. Although it, the the link appears at the end of the movie too, as though it's a documentary where it's like to uncover more of the truth. Go to LunarTruth. Lunar you know, I'm gonna get on the Wayback Machine right now and see if I can find it. Oh, good idea. Yeah. I, I actually I want to redirect it to my own blog where I talk about how the Apollo 13 astronauts never made it back <laughs> uh, I, I, i'll report back at some point later in the episode on what i find very good, very good there's a lot you know there's a lot of chilling stuff in the in the space program like they have the like the the statement that nixon was prepared to read if the astronauts never made it back from um apollo like mm. apollo 11 oh okay and like I, i've heard dramatizations of that and it's basically like yeah these 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 badasses uh laid down their life for a great cause the, mm-hmm. they'll never be forgotten they died a horrible death freezing and suffocating on the surface of the moon wait it goes into that it like, doesn't go into that detail but oh, it's okay. implied <laughs> <laughs> all right gotcha gotcha Anyway, back to Apollo 18. <laughs> they go to the moon specifically to deliver what they believe is an unidentified Department of Defense payload. But yeah. it turns out that it's actually there to monitor aliens. I guess. And they're supposed to recover a certain amount of rocks, right? Because uh, who's this? Oh, it's just me. I'm going to drop okay. a link in here. <laughs> I knew someone just popped into our Zoom. It's Jay! <laughs> that was one of the most unsettling things that's ever happened to me. I thought it was Laura Barnes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I thought it was the, the ghost of Jim Lovell. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, because there's the line at the beginning where the guy's like, Hey, you know, we already got 800 pounds of moon rocks. They want me to go leave my family to get some more, put me on the moon. Fuck it. I'll do it. I'm a, I'm a bro. Um, <laughs> and so he, they go and they, they're, they're trying to recover moon. And I don't know. I guess we got to save it for the spoiler on what's going on with the rocks and. <laughs> 
We've close. already kind of spoiled it a couple of times, I think. Uh, I, I guess so. I did. All right, yeah. All right, we won't. We'll, we'll, there's something alien about the rocks themselves, basically. Well, yeah, they're on the fucking moon. Don't 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 get smart with me. <laughs> don't don't mansplain the definition of alien to me. Yeah. <laughs> so the website is actually very disappointing now that you found it. It's basically just says this website is forcibly censored. Its contents can be seen in the film. Discover the truth. Oh, which is pretty they- lame especially if you've just finished seeing the movie and maybe you're like the really gullible dumb fuck who's like wow that was that was a crazy documentary i want to learn more and well, then you go a to the website link here there's a little smudge in the lower right and you click on it and it opens up a blog mission control blog which i assume oh. has some expanded oh yeah onboard voice transcripts of apollo 18 all kinds of shit. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. This is some. This is the real shit. I think it's an interesting concept what they're trying to do with Apollo eighteen. I, I like that they are attempted to deal with this subject matter. I like the era that they that they didn't say. Oh, it was a, it was a moon mission, but it took place in modern day. Like they actually tried to make it a period thing, make it authentic. Um, Dude. This website is incredibly detailed. Like this almost impress I mean honestly I'm going to say this impresses me more than anything in the movie. There's like all these like faked documents. This goes on and on and on. This is kind it's of like amazing. It's like Donnie Darko. It's like you watch the movie and you're like what the fuck was that about and then you got to go online and you got to find out about the time travel. I always appreciate like fictional supporting documents like this and then I mean I appreciate them but then rarely actually delve into them tying into the marketing on this I've got a number of facts I'll drop throughout the episode um, this is from an Entertainment Weekly interview with um, guess we should get this out of the way too this is a Weinstein movie um, <laughs> Dimension Films head Bob Weinstein balked at the idea that it was a, a found footage film and the quote from him is, we didn't shoot anything. We found it. Found, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love it. I, I like that commitment to the bit. That's fun. <laughs> I, I would have preferred this to be like a mockumentary kind of movie. I, I, I'm thinking of like the fourth kind or something. Or like, mm-hmm. I feel like if this had been presented to us, but like, we had a documentary and we had some guy who was like an actor, obviously, maybe Vincent D'Onofrio, and he was talking about how like I've been I've been looking into the Lost Moon mission for thirty years. I think that the, the official narrative is bullshit. Come into my house. This is these are the documents I've found. And then we just found this footage. Look at and they play the foot I don't know. I like some sort of framing device. Maybe I'm stupid. Oh, no, I, I like the fake documentary aesthetic. I liked it a lot. It would work better. I mean, I don't know if I would love that movie, but I'd probably like it better than this because this movie just doesn't really have any um, any momentum. What we need is a Joaquin Phoenix type character to scream at the TV for us, I think, because the the scares for me aren't really there in the found footage. Mm -hmm. If we had someone who was presented to us as like an outside observer who's like, holy fucking shit, this is terrifying, you guys. Like, do you know what this fucking means? And then like they go to his house for the follow up interview and he's not there. (laughs) You you want like the school teacher from Ames, Iowa, who's like along for the space flight. Y- yes, sure. Maybe. I don't know. You you need like your everyman like POV character, I feel, is what I you're saying. I don't know. I'm just, I, what I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, this movie didn't really scare me. 
Yeah, Chris, what you're describing is like how the filmmakers wanted us to feel as the audience watching it. And the whole reason right. we're trying to dream up another concept for how this could have worked is because the filmmaking itself just isn't very effective. Right. And I think there's potential there. Like, you know, I like I said, I, I think that they it was an interesting concept and the even the found footage approach is interesting i uh, i just i don't know watching this movie i for a minute i thought well you know maybe one of the failures is that like this movie isn't really about anything it's just sort of like presenting this narrative as it supposedly happened but then again like paranormal activity isn't about anything and it's still a really effective low budget found footage movie that actually creeped me out a few times i don't know what was wrong with this thing to be honest I had some emotions watching Apollo 13 and then I watched this and I was like, this movie is kind of taking a more cynical and kind of realistic attitude towards the space race, which is very romanticized in our consciousness. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, it was when America all came together and we did great things. But at the end of the day, it was a fucking military project so we could, you know, uh, wave our dick at Russia. Like, you know, and it's like uh, countless resources were spent on the space race is like kind of a vanity project compared to doing things that would like improve the lives of people in our society. That was one of the things that really stunned me in Apollo 13. I mean, I've thought about this before, but it's like, yeah, Jesus Christ, the amount of money and manpower and whatever that we put into that to, I mean, and it wasn't even a military thing, really. It was just like a nationalist, like you said, dick-waving thing. Like, let's see if we can get there before Russia. There wasn't even really like a strategic advantage that came out of it it was just like oh let's see if we can get to the moon before russia did does and we did it like five years later right and i'm not saying that it's not not valuable or that we shouldn't have a space program it's just i think you need to when when we are inclined to romanticize it as like a you know a time when we did great things as a nation we need to put into context like that the motivation for that was basically the same motivation you know we we still spend billions of dollars blowing up stuff and and competing with other countries so Mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah um, but anyway, so I think this movie, I think by actually having the Russians up there and having this be a defense department project with nefarious motives where human life is expendable and, and, and ultimately, you know, uh, involving, you know, the weaponization of space, I think it kind of was a counterpoint to that romanticized American narrative of what going to the moon was all about. Interesting. Another fact I'll throw out there is that NASA was apparently minimally involved with this picture at some point as well. <laughs> so it does seem like the filmmakers had aspirations to at least make this seem technically realistic, if not to say something about politically about the space program. So that's one interpretation of that. But to me, when I hear that, that just sounds like NASA was not involved. Like NASA maybe responded to one of their emails and was like, oh yeah, probably not. And they were like, oh yeah, they were, they were minimally involved. They they sent an email back that said, we're happy for you. We're going to let you finish. (laughs) Apollo 13 was the best space movie of all time. (laughs) Well, let, let me, let me continue that with a quote from NASA liaison, Bert Ulrich in the LA times. (laughs) Apollo 18 is not a documentary. The film is a work of fiction, and we always knew that. We were minimally involved with this picture. We never even saw a rough cut. The idea of portraying the Apollo 18 mission as authentic is simply a marketing ploy. Perhaps it's a bit of a Blair Witch Project strategy to generate hype. But he did admit that they had... they. They did something. He didn't have to say that. That's exactly what he would say if it were accurate. <laughs> yeah, that still that still sounds like not involved. To he me. says the Apollo eighteen mission. 
He does, yeah. But there wasn't an Apollo 18 mission. Well, uh, uh, no, officially. no, there, there really was. It turns out he, he, he slipped it. Um, turns out this is actually not a documentary. <laughs> I mean, there's, there probably was an off-the-books space excursion, if not to the moon, to somewhere else, right? It's, I mean, you gotta. It's not outside the realm of possibility. Especially you know in the mean? era. Like, you, can, you look at the stuff the CIA was doing in the 60s and 70s off the books. Like, what? We're just going to have this power to go into space, and we're only going to use it for these things that we put on ABC at night? I mean, you can't tell me Donald Trump was president for four years and didn't get NASA to just, like, send him up there for a weekend at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we know that they didn't, they didn't let him talk to the alien. <laughs> 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 this was when he went i mean this is when he got elected and then like in between his election and the inauguration you know he goes and he visits the white house and gets like the tour it's like you know and and i was like this guy has no idea what he just signed up for and he should just come <laughs> to the oval office and obama has the alien on the couch and he's like you think you're man enough for this job you son of a bitch <laughs> <laughs> but i guess oh, he did man. no such thing <laughs> in the way in the in in the in this conspiracy theory fake conspiracy theory is the alien alive or dead does is the alien communicative can i talk you know what alive and dead is a very um earth-centric <laughs> way to look at things i knew you would say that god damn it <laughs> um it's it's oscillating between different planes of being let's just put it that way all right um <laughs> So, uh, I want to give the filmmakers some credit here, though, because, you know, we've been talking shit, but at the end of the day, like, you know... I haven't really been talking shit. I just want to go on the record and say I haven't really been talking shit. It's an ambitious movie, and... I like that it's hard to make it's it's like you know how we talk about period pieces and it's like you're not shooting for the lowest common denominator if you're making a period piece you're probably also not shooting for the lowest common den- denominator if you set your movie on the moon where it's just hard to make a movie and all in all, considering the resources they had to work with and NASA not returning their emails and not having a lot of <laughs> the money. The way you just said that made it sound like they shot it on location on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, a, a noble effort, I think, for a small production. No, yeah. I, you know, I enjoyed this. I appreciated it. It's not a great film. It didn't offend me at any point. Um, and it just felt like something dopey and fun that like me and Chris would dream up on G chat and then like throw together over the course of five years and only end up making a third of it in that time. You guys would dream up something so much more entertaining than this though. This movie, even, you know, it's 90 minutes, 10 minutes of that is credits. Thank God fucking god is just a it was a slog for me like yeah there's some initial interest in sort of the period detail and you know the the production design is pretty impressive i will give it that they they definitely went through in the language that they use seems to be pretty authentic as you guys have verified um you know some of the terminology they're using but beyond that this movie just I, I i barely remember it beyond a few key details and i watched it yesterday like it just doesn't really feel like there's any kind of a narrative going on the most frustrating thing for me was just that the aesthetic of the movie didn't match really the period that they were going for um both in terms of how the footage looked and also just 
how the actors looked in the production design. Like uh, another movie I watched recently was The Love Witch, which I know you guys have seen. Mm-hmm. And God it's bless. like if you didn't know when they made that movie, you'd be like, "This movie was made in 1976." Well, except for the Obviously. except for the shot where there's the intentionally there's like a modern car that pulls oh, up right. in the background, <laughs> just right. hilarious. But but, but yeah, you know, I get your whole, point. The whole look of that movie, it's seamless, and I just wish that this movie had just looked like something out of the 70s. Um, and it doesn't. It looks like modern actors with some like digitally aged footage. I th- I thought it looked credibly enough like the era it was supposed to be set in. Oh, okay. Different strokes. Different strokes. Well, we should go to the spoiler room, I think, yeah. so we can talk about the real shit and what this movie's really about and what happens. And I mean, it is just a funny indicator. And again, like I said, I enjoyed this movie, but it is a funny indicator of like, I guess sort of how thinly sketched it is and how little is actually going on that we've talked for, I don't know, like close to an hour now. And I feel like we've like barely talked about Apollo 18, the movie at all. But also I feel like there's nothing to say that I haven't said already. We've talked to close for an hour, but like 35 minutes of that was about Apollo 13. <laughs> 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 to be fair. <laughs> I should have set I should have set y'all a homework assignment of watching Apollo 11. That's that's for next I episode. I do really want to see that. 11. I've heard great I, things. I need it's to see Damien Chazelle's first man. Yeah, yeah, I want to see that too. Uh, there's just not a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's, it, it's the, it commits the worst found footage tropes where it's just like, here's some people chilling. Something going to happen. Oh, and it's like they, they zoom in on things like, did you see that? That was scary. And I'm like, I, I see nothing. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> exactly. It's a- <laughs> would, you, would you view a cure or screw it? I feel like you're deep into your review right now. Chris, would you land it, orbit, or crash it? <laughs> I I have to crash it, um, and I I'm sad to say it because I do have some respect for the for this movie and what they were trying to do, um, and I, I wish it had worked. And there were glimmers of potential I saw here and there, so I, I hate to say that it didn't work for me, but that's the truth, and I can't lie. So crash it <laughs> steven would you land it orbit it or crash it oh crash it hard i fucking hated this movie i actually went back and revisited a little bit of it today because i feel like I, maybe i was in a bad mood or i missed something but like this movie it, as i said before has no momentum it's pure gimmick all the way through and it commits what i think is the greatest sin of, in all of cinema which is that it's it's just not interesting. I like films where something interesting happens on every page, whether it's a memorable line of dialogue, a cool shot, or a surprising moment, and this thing just plods along. And at 80 minutes of actual film, it felt like a two-hour movie to me. Yeah, that's actually an interesting point, because I often, I always try to pull something I liked from a movie, mm-hmm. no matter how much I dislike the movie, every movie has something in it that's that's valuable and that I like. And honestly, this movie gets credit from me mostly for the concept and the ambition, rather than anything that was actually on the screen. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't hold any malice toward the filmmakers. I mean, but then again, this movie seems like it was made with sort of a cynical bent. You know, it was cashing in on the found footage craze that was just booming at that time, having a, its second resurgence, you know, many years after Blair Witch Project. You know, it's a Weinstein production. Like, they were trying to, like, get the most bang for the smallest buck because they knew that they could make a ton of money off of it, and they did. And I would have liked to see it take some bigger swings. This movie just seems to kind of sit on the fence about what kind of movie it wants to be. I want to see some, like, you know, H.R. Giger, like, alien, like, altar shit on the moon at some point or something, you know? Mm, A little bit more imagination, I think. But it's it's decently acted. I think the production design was pretty good. I found the, you know, the, the After Effects stuff distracting, but... You know, ultimately, it's it's a movie that's competently made. I just don't understand why it was made in the shape that the script was in. So, crash it, Patrick. I'll orbit it. I, you know, I had a decent time with this movie. I found it serviceable, entertaining. I liked the basic concept. I liked the faux documentary. I don't understand the criticism that it doesn't know what kind of movie it wants to be. I think it's extremely clear what kind of movie it wants to be. Let's dispel the fiction <laughs> that Apollo 18 doesn't know what it's doing. Um, it knows exactly what it's doing. It knows exactly what it's doing. I mean, I, I felt I enjoyed it. After Effects, sure. Obviously, there's After Effects on it. And I didn't, I never once thought that it was filmed on fucking VHS or something. Oh, uh, but here's the thing. And, and I've been, lately, I've been taught, I've, I've been spending time on Reddit and I've been, I've been spending time on the, um, on the film and video, uh, subreddits where I actually mm-hmm. have, uh, become a celebrity. I haven't become a celebrity, but I actually have expertise. And I, I already told Patrick about this, but it's interesting because it's like when I was starting off making videos, like, I'd go online and everybody knew more than me. And now there's still most people know more than me, but there's a lot of kids out kids, children who don't, uh, I can actually help. And so I help them. And they're like, I'm glad you you said help because I thought this was going a really dark direction. Like you're something, you're a bully. (laughs) And they post things like, how do I get this VHS? Look, how do I get this retro? Mm -hmm. Look, how do I get this crappy digital video? Look. And it's like, just shoot it on a fucking mini DV. It's like a hundred bucks to get one of these cameras off eBay. Just yeah. shoot it that way. So it's like these guys like rented the most expensive camera that they could get their hands on and then tried to make it look like it was eight millimeter film when they should have just shot eight millimeter film. I mean, that's all fine for you with your expertise for me without that expertise, it worked perfectly fine, which I think is also the majority of the people who, did and are going to watch the film yeah i mean this is a movie okay. ma- this is a movie made for like you know teenagers going out on a saturday night looking to get spooked like it's it's yeah. not for film aficionados um but for a film aficionado and chris you have much more technical knowledge than i do it is quite distracting and i don't think it would be so distracting to us if it were uh, a film that appealed more to our narrative interests uh, a movie that does this really well is Sinister, actually, where, you know, the, mm. the oh, premise yeah. is the guy finds 8mm tapes in the attic, and they look like fucking 8mm tapes from the 70s, and they're horrifying. Yeah. Be that as it may. Um, is anyway. That, yeah, continue, Patrick. <laughs> eh, I mean, that's pretty much all I had to say. You know, I mean, it's it's an enjoyable 75 minutes or whatever it fucking adds up to when you subtract the inexplicable 10 minutes of credits. I don't know that I would suggest now that it's uh, no longer on Netflix that you go spend money on it. But uh, if it happens to pop back up on one of your streaming services and 
the prospect of a sci-fi horror faux documentary about the canceled moon landing appeals to you. I mean, it more or less gave me what I was looking for. It didn't blow my socks off, didn't exceed my expectations, but, uh, you know, it floated the boat. All right. It floated the boat. Well, we're going to talk about some more in the spoiler room. We're going to talk about uh, what what's going on on the moon and uh, you know what kind of horrors are actually there. Uh, before we do that, though, you know, if you uh, have uh, you know your own opinions on the movie or have anything else you want to talk to us about, find us online. We're on social media and um, as Amoncast on most platforms. E H M O N Cast. You can find us on every horror movie on Netflix.com. We love to read reviews on on your podcast services. Send them in. Go on our website. Buy our t-shirts. Do all that stuff. We love to hear from the fans. Especially if you want Chris to stop bagging on Vincent D'Onofrio. We want to hear about that. (laughs) For every piece of mail we get defending Vincent D'Onofrio, I'm going to drag him for three more episodes. (laughs) See, the funny thing about this is that I don't, I mean, you don't actually dislike Vincent D'Onofrio, right? No, not at all. (laughs) Yeah, you really just, your only offense against him is reducing him to his part in Sinister. Or is it? Sinister. Which movie is he in? Yeah, yeah Sinister. Sinister. And, okay, and, which yeah. Sec- second time we mentioned Sinister in five minutes. Um, yeah. Which is uh, maybe the only movie you've seen him in. Or no, you've seen him in Jurassic World. I saw him in Men in Black, Men too. in Black, yeah. yeah. Bugman. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's all good. All right. Well, we're going to go from the command module over to the, to the spoiler lander, um, to save oxygen and, uh, we'll see you in orbit, uh, very, very shortly. (laughs) And may God's love be with you. All right, welcome back to every horror movie on Netflix. We've crawled into the uh, spoiler lander, and we're getting ready to spoil everything about Apollo 18. There's a reason we never went back to the moon, and it, for my money, it's maybe the most underwhelming reason that it could possibly be. Thoughts? Dude, to me, it's the most batshit reason like they are rocks that move on their own but also like seemingly can like i mean they're they're crabs sort of moon crabs like steven said before that apparently can fold themselves up tightly enough to just look like a normal rock but also they can move somehow without fully extending their legs to me it was just a batshit concept not a good one necessarily but batshit they're not i mean yeah it, it, it is very weird that they can like fully convincingly like become a rock become a rock like it's not just like it's like curling its legs up underneath like an actual crab it's like it can like transmogrify into a crab from a rock it's very weird look a rock <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh, god yeah. Ooh, uh, is, is this gonna be another summer of seeger guys every oh, summer every is summer, summer is seeger. the summer of seeger <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's super weird and kind of underwhelming, and there's some bad CGI. Like, okay, so they find they find what like a Russian lander, they yeah. find a dead mm. cosmonaut, yeah, and then and they, that's all pretty scary. It's spooky stuff. I mean, it's, that's, it's, not, it's, that's the last thing you want to see when you're on a moonwalk. Sure, and it's it's alien, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this movie's especially pretty, when the Russians have never officially been on the moon. 
Yeah, and what a hell of a way to find out. Um, yeah. And then a crab, like, does it crawl out of the cosmonaut's helmet and get into the one of the guy's suits, Nate, I think? And it yeah. winds up, like, in his, like, protruding from his stomach and has to be surgically removed later in the film. Yeah, I think actually just a rock gets into his suit before we actually i think that's before we even see that they turn into crabs like a rock somehow just shoots into his yeah we get like a jump scare you it's like hard to tell what's happening but it's not clear that it's an alien creature at this point but something gets in there um you know it's this this movie's version of the the face hugger chestburster sort of uh, lineage for this creature and uh yeah i think it was around then that i just kind of completely lost interest it's it's disappointing. It's disappointing to see that of all the horrors your mind can conjure on why we would never go back to the moon, it's little rocks that turn into little spider things. <laughs> that was actually where my interest picked up. And like, sort of weirdly, I was like, all right, get me to the moon. Tell me what the actual premise is. Like, what are we dealing with here? And at that point, I started to get some idea, and that was where my my ears perked up a little bit. I was at least hoping that they were a precursor to something more horrifying, like how the Cloverfield monster yeah. has like the little like satellite spiders that you know surround it. Yeah, mm. it, it was at this point where I was like, oh god, I'm just gonna watch a rehash of Alien, and that's pretty much what we get from there on out. And it's it's kind of it's kind of disappointing that it didn't do something more imaginative. I, I wish it were a rehash of Alien. Well, I mean, it goes halfway there (laughs) the one thing that has that was interesting is you know the guy who gets basically bitten by this thing and gets a rock in his abdomen and infected by it um he he goes crazy and he's like being possessed it's like the thing's a parasite that's affecting him Mm -hmm. and that's interesting it's always interesting when you have a friend who turns into a foe in a desperate situation. That's one of the scariest things for me in the movie. And so I was a little interested in that. A problem I had with that, though, and I I, um, I can see why you were a little interested in that, but another problem I have with this movie that I haven't talked about is just that, like, these characters are barely even characters. Like, the banter that these two guys have on the ship, while it does border on homoeroticism in a couple of places, and I was kind of <laughs> hoping it would really lean into that. I was like, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but there were a couple of pretty weird moments. But, like, they don't really feel like fl- real fleshed-out people, and the banter they have with each other is just like... It's just like an alien imagining what guys talk about when it's just two guys alone, you know? Like, we get the whole scene with the, the, the jalapenos on his balls and, oh. you know? <laughs> like, it's just this, like, really kind of, like, stock stuff. So I wasn't really invested in them at this point in the movie and didn't really care what happened when he got possessed. Jalapenos on his balls? I do not remember this at all. Oh, yeah. I, and I don't even know why he brings it up. But <laughs> He brings it up because we need a moment in the film for them to, like, get real with each other and be bros, you know? And, like, this is what the writer imagines people talk about in isolation. But, like, I swear mm. to God, I have heard that exact story in another low-budget movie before. I don't know what it was, but I had deja vu. Um, so, yeah, these characters are basically just ciphers. The actors sell it decently, but... Um, they're not really given enough enough depth for me to to be at all invested in them when things start to go wrong. It's a three man cast, but one of them is just orbiting the whole yeah. time, so it's, you're basically down to a two man cast. 
Yeah, it, it might have been better if they had more of a dynamic between the two before the shit hit the fan. But I don't know. I just it's you're talking about rocks that turn into spiders, and then I guess the whole reveal at the end, which is basically given to us in the title card, is that like, you know, uh, the United States uh, gives moon rocks to foreign dignitaries as gifts. <laughs> Dude, I honestly loved that. That was that. Now that's some big Chris energy to me. Yeah, but it's it's big Chris on Google Chat energy. It's no, like, it's yeah. also apparently true though. Well, yeah, it's that, true. That, that's and, a and, thing, and but it's like the way. Yeah, the the way that I, they... I, I'm reminded of what Patrick said about thirteen cameras, where where uh, the ending felt like the worst punchline to yeah. the longest setup. It's like, is that the reason we didn't do anything more interesting other than have moon rocks that turn into spiders? Of all the things you could do on the moon, that just felt like <laughs> a little stinger to me. That didn't feel like the point of the whole movie or anything. I, I mean, but know. yeah, they like at some point the one guy who's been infected gets more and more fucked up and they're trying to figure out what to do because the aliens are wrecking all their shit from the outside essentially so they decide to make a run for the russian lander to make contact with Mm -hmm. houston and houston basically tells them sorry you're fucked we're leaving you there (laughs) yeah (laughs) which i did like that scene but that's i mean that's a dog food moment how can you go wrong with that yeah i mean Give me a dog food moment. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, like they, that. I mean that it's not like they just sell. It's not like they just went to the fucking dog food store. Someone came up with that dog food moment. Somebody put blood, sweat, and tears into that dog food yeah. for you. No, you're right, and and that was good. It's always it's always good drama to have a character being told by somebody that you can't has no recourse to. Oh yeah, by the way, you're gonna die. Yeah, and then their and then their bro orbiting the moon is supposed to just head home, leave him. He says. No. He says, fuck, fuck that shit. I'm not leaving the man behind. Gonna pick him up. Gonna pick him up. Possessed bro, what? He gets he's gets left on the moon. Yeah, he gets BTFO. <laughs> I mean, he's 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 fully alienized. He's, he's perma-fucked. He's so, full sicko mode. Yeah. So they take the land, the, our remaining hero who talks to the deputy director of defense and is told, yeah, you're, you're dying. Uh, he launches the lander Talks the russian fucking lander. dick cheney <laughs> yeah <laughs> the devil's ed harris uh launches the lander towards the little spaceship but the the fucking moon rocks basically turn into spiders and attack him while he's flying so he does he can't control the damn thing and he ends up crashing the lander into the command module and everybody dies which leaves the question you know how the fuck did they recover all this footage well so i mean i kind of thought about that but i mean like they were so i go back to box i go back to apollo 13 they like sent all that other video back from the spacecraft live so theoretically all this shit is being streamed back to well not streamed but broadcast back to Houston so I, I guess Houston has taken yeah. it's not though because they, fucking, they, they, go, I mean, they don't a, have communications this movie was made though. for five million dollars I don't expect you know like here's, a fucking master <laughs> a, a logically like impregnable masterwork but they go into great detail this is why it was distracting for me 
Um, I'm kind of with you, Patrick. I mean, for what for what this movie's trying to do, but they go into great detail about each kind of camera that they have, whether or not it's film, whether or not it's video, and they've got these handheld like eight millimeter cameras that are shooting on Kodachrome. They make it a point to to mention that. Oh yeah, they're like we got 300 feet. So I'm like, well, how do they recover that? How do they recover these eight millimeter cameras that they're carrying around that they're capturing like half of this footage on? That's just on the moon. Oh well, oh well, that was Apollo nineteen went and got. Yeah, it. they sent Apollo nineteen back to recover the footage <laughs> and to pick up more moon rocks. Yeah, okay. And because of and because of ungrateful sons of bitches like you, we're never going to get to see how it happened in Apollo nineteen. And then they gave they gave the moon rocks to dignitaries, and and that's why we had that rash of like South American presidents getting like killed by alien spiders in the eighties. <laughs> I love that's like the Star Wars prequel version of a sequel to this movie where there's a whole movie about going back, like knowing what the threat is on the moon, being prepared for it. So it's not really a threat at all to the characters. Just just recovering the footage and bringing it back. Just give me the movie where Robert Redford plays like a CIA guy whose job is to give moon rocks that are actually aliens <laughs> yes! to people. Yes. I mean, basically the prequel to uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Is, yeah, are the moon rocks in that? Well, no, but he's a fucking like, <laughs> government a, fuck. A, I mean, he would spook. definitely have the moon rocks. His character yeah. in that movie would definitely have the moon rocks. I mean, that's, you know, well, here, all right, so here's something. I'll give it some credit. It is a take that I have not heard before. Like, moon rocks are actually alien parasites, and that's why we give them to foreign dignitaries. Yeah, that's why I said it's, like, the most batshit possible, like, scenario we could wind up in. And I don't, and like I said already, I don't know that it's a good one, but it's batshit, and I kind of loved it. I was just ready for something scarier, I guess. You know, you got these big, deep, frozen craters on the moon that you can't see into. It's all dark. You got these desiccated cosmonauts and these ransacked ships, and it's like, oh, God, why didn't we go back to the moon? What's out there? Ah, it's a rock that turns into a spider. Yeah, I would love if the, if the spiders were a precursor to, like, bigger and badder creatures over the course of the film. Like, that or would have been something weird. Like, they go around the other side of the crater and they see, like, their own fucking ship and, like, clones of themselves or oh, something. I don't know. hell yeah. It's like, I, I just feel like any given Twilight Zone episode would put someone on the moon and give them something existentially terrifying to encounter. And we get rocks and spiders. This is making me want to see Moon again. Never saw that one. Good shit. Uh, shit. I've wanted to rewatch it, but uh, to be honest, the Kevin Spacey of it all has kept me from doing it. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, Kevin Spacey plays Ed Harris in that one, doesn't he? He, Isn't it just his voice? That's enough to creep me out. Yeah, he plays Ed Harris. (laughs) Wait, what? He he plays because Ed Harris does Mission Control, like in Apollo 13 and also in... um, in gravity he's not mission control isn't he like an ai in moon oh, he's like the yeah. voice of the ship he's like the mother yeah or whatever the daddy yeah, that sounds right, to right. Me. i shouldn't comment on movies i haven't seen <laughs> <laughs> you you referring to kevin spacey as daddy <laughs> in the context of everything we know about kevin spacey creeps me out way more than hearing kevin spacey's voice in a movie for, for a second i thought that went unnoticed and i was a little relieved <laughs> Oh, Lord. Oh, man. Moon rocks are fascinating, though. There's a book called The Case of the Missing Moon Rocks that begins with Operation Lunar Eclipse, which was a sting operation to recover... I'm reading this directly from Wikipedia, by the way. To recover a piece of the moon brought back by American astronauts... um, 
I'm not going to get into it. Look it up. It's fascinating, though. And apparently some of these things are worth, like, millions of dollars and are still missing. I mean, yeah. It would, it would be great to have that kind of shit. So here's here's my plan for, my, for how I want to spend my life. I want to get a little cabin up in Manitoba. <laughs> okay. And uh, on snowy days, you know, when, when you have, like, weeks or months of snow, I'm going to get my pilot's license. I'm going to fly a single-engine plane around looking at the snow looking for meteorites because they stand down in the snow that's why they find them in like antarctica so often oh, okay. um and i'm gonna start collecting meteorites and because how cool is that have a meteorite in your house oh, yeah. what could go wrong what could go wrong <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll get superpowers yeah it's a good thing i'm wearing my my creep show shirt for this episode that sounds very jody verrill to me you're gonna turn into a moss man I'm just still mad about the ending of Man of Steel. Can can I talk about that real quick? What? I mean, if you Zach, must. Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Because at the end, Superman's fighting the other guy from Krypton, Michael Shannon. And they fight through a whole city. And they end up in a museum. And Superman ultimately kills uh, Michael Shannon. But I was when they entered a museum, I was like, there needs to be kryptonite in this museum. That needs to be what turns the tide of this fight. There's just like a fucking kryptonite meteor in a fucking display case in this fucking museum because it's like a natural history museum. And I'm really sad that that's not what happened. I'm sorry. My condolences. But that's what's going to happen when Michael Shannon breaks into my house in Manitoba. I'm going to have the meteorite on the shelf. <laughs> it's going to have no powers. <laughs> All right. Well, at this point, I'm starting to feel like the odds of us uh, wrapping up this episode are similar to the odds of uh, Apollo 13 returning safely to Earth. Yeah. No shit. All right. Um, All right. Well, what the hell are we watching next time? Patrick, it's your turn to choose. Well, uh, as we all know, we chose Apollo 18 and then the movie went off Netflix before this episode actually uh, debuted so next episode I've selected a movie that is actually about to go off Netflix but we're getting in just under the wire so that if you haven't seen it you can watch it after you listen to the episode it's a classic cult classic one of my favorites Killer Clowns from Outer Space yeah baby no never never seen it oh don't know anything about it perfect it's a, it's a space movie it's keeping the space theme it's on earth it's set on earth but yeah <laughs> it's it's apollo 19 basically okay they're from outer they're not it's not killer clowns to outer space no, no they're from <laughs> outer space i saw this movie actually just for the first time like i don't know within the past year and i watched it again like two days after i watched it the first time maybe i didn't uh perceive it the first time as as well and as thoroughly as i could have so i wanted to go back and catch some things that i missed but oh yeah you picked on up you picked up on all those deep themes and killer clowns from outer space the no, second no, no, no. Time just through. wild visuals wild <laughs> yeah. concepts wild things that were going on um so yeah i yeah i've been wanting to watch it with you guys and i figured better get it before it goes off netflix so, I, i'm yeah. glad you picked it that's a big nostalgia film for me back there was a time when mgm was releasing tons of their cult horror titles on on DVD, just like more than I could possibly keep up with, and that was one of my favorites back in the like mid two thousands or so. It's good shit. Yeah, Betty, view it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
I don't have a choice. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be in two weeks. We're watching Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Um, until then, like I said, catch us online, send us a message. Love to hear from you. Uh, but until then, catch you next time. For every horror movie on Netflix, I'm Chris. I'm Patrick. Over and out. I'm Steven. See you later. The moon comes calling a ghostly way. I recall, I recall, like a